Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, my name is Terry Irwood, and I'm one of the pastors here. I get the privilege of overseeing the family ministry and also working with the local display team. And so uh, I'm also uh, working with a group of interns that uh, are, are rocking my world right now. And so um, it's hard to believe that they are two generations apart from me. How did I get so old so fast? But uh, they are bringing a lot of life uh, into me and into our church body. And I'm excited uh, for the things that uh, they are doing and um, all the ministry that's happening in and through them. So um, I get to have that privilege of uh, being a part of them as well. This morning, uh, I want to start off our time with a question. And I want us to think about this. Have you ever been at a bedside of a loved one who is dying? And if you're a little younger, maybe you haven't experienced that, but maybe you've read a biography of, uh, of the last week of a person's life or even the last few days of a person's life. And what you'll find in that and what uh, we will learn from that a lot of times is in that last moments of a person's life, whether it's a week, a month, whether it's a day, a lot of times that person, they'll be prepared for how they want to leave this earth. They'll be prepared for the lesson that they want to leave behind and the example that they want to leave as they're departing. And for me, one of the most impactful moments and examples of this in my life was uh, Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, he was an example of this for me that has impacted me now almost 18 years later. Sheila and I were serving on staff with Campus Crusade in 03, the summer of 03. We were in Fort Collins, Colorado with the staff and there was thousands of us in gym and we were having a great week, but Bill was not there present with us. He was in Orlando, and he was on his last few days of life. And they would send messages to the staff throughout the week and messages from Bill. And these were the same messages that Bill Bright lived and that shaped his life for, I don't know how many years, probably 50 years. And there was a couple of things that if you knew Bill, you would hear this from him all the time. And one of the first things that he would always refer to was when he got up in the morning, the first thing he would do before he, his feet even touched the floor, his knees would hit the floor. And he would surrender his day to the Lord and then he would submit himself as a slave to King Jesus. And I can just remember hearing that over and over from him. I can remember him giving us a picture of the seashore and him being just a little sand granule on that seashore and the immenseness of God. And yet there's little Bill and he would just have a way of describing God and living like God was just beyond uh, what our minds could even comprehend. Bill would always talk about the spirit-filled life and he would always talk about how he depended greatly on the Spirit for not only his ministry, but every decision he made, every uh, act that he did to make Jesus known. He always gave uh, credit to the Holy Spirit. 
And it was this message that he was leaving to his disciples, to his staff, to say, take this example that I've lived before you and live it before the generations that you'll be serving and the generations after that that you will be serving. And so the reason why I wanted to start off our time this morning like a story of Bill Bright is because we're going to find ourselves in a similar setting because the Apostle John is writing to us here. And in this night that he's going to be writing about, they were all gathering around Jesus and they were going to be meeting with him around supper. And they didn't know it at the time, but Jesus knew it, that it was going to be their last time with him. And so no doubt Jesus knowing this, he wanted to leave an example. He wanted to leave an impression that wasn't contradictory to his lifestyle, but actually it was complimentary to his three and a half years that he had spent with these disciples. And so he's going to leave us an example in these last few hours with the disciples around this upper room. And this time that we're going to dive into in the, in the book of John, in the gospel of John, is known as the upper room discourse. And this is the Passover meal or the last supper that Jesus is going to have with his disciples. In this passage, it's not a gloomy time, but it's a strategic time. It's a strategic time for Jesus to share this lasting lesson for these guys who've spent the last three and a half years with him. In our current series, if you've been following along and checking in with us along the way, and maybe you've even been reading, if you have, you know that this particular section of Scripture, John chapter 17, uh, John chapter 13, I'm sorry, uh, it's going to be on Friday. And, um, but today, in John chapter 13, we're going to have a front row seat to the example that Jesus is going to give us by demonstrating what it means to be a servant. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, turn to John, the gospel, chapter 13. And as you're turning there, this morning we're going to look at two specific characteristics of being a servant that Jesus is going to demonstrate in this passage. And then it, we'll wrap it up. We'll see how we can have the same love that Jesus displayed and that we can have the same desire to serve others as Jesus had when he was here. So John 13 Read with me, beginning in verse 1. It says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So here's Jesus eating the last meal with his disciples. 
And John says in verse one, the latter part of verse one, having loved his own. In other words, having loved these 12 guys, he loved them to the end. So the first characteristic of being a servant is a radical love for others. Jesus is gonna demonstrate this radical love for us. In fact, when you think about these 12 guys around the table in this room, it's pretty incredible considering that what Jesus already knows about some of them, right? Verse two, we, we get a hint of he already knows about Judas Iscariot. But it's pretty incredible how he's gonna be able to love them to the end is what John says, knowing what is ahead. Now stop for a moment and let's think about what it required from Jesus to love these guys all the way to the end. Verse two, let's start with Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray Jesus in a few hours. He was selected by Jesus to be one of the 12. He was trusted to be the treasurer. He had spent the last three years living with Jesus, going around, going from town to town, seeing Jesus, being there, no doubt being there in the business meetings as a treasurer. And to add salt to the wound, Jesus, uh, Judas would betray Jesus with a kiss. It would take radical love to love someone that is going to betray you to the end. But Jesus knew that if he was going to serve Judas, he was going to have to display a radical love. And he was going to have to give an example to the disciples that what is ahead of you, people will hate you because of me. People will persecute you because of me. And your love is going to be challenged. And it's going to have to be radical and supernatural in every way for you to serve them. Going back to Judas. It's in verse two, so allow this to, to kind of be a personal warning to us. Judas was not the first or the last person to betray Jesus. Think about Judas and his hypocrisy. Let us never be surprised if we see hypocrisy among Christians because being associated with Christians doesn't make you one. Not everyone who is identified as a Christian is truly a follower of Jesus. Judas has given us a very clear picture of this. There's nothing new in it, nothing that did not happen even among Christ's closest followers. And that's why it's important for us to examine our faith because there are Judases out there. There are Judases in our midst and we don't want you to be a Judas. So we need to examine our faith. But John was able to say that Jesus loved him, even in his hypocrisy. He loved Peter, knowing Peter was gonna deny him three times in a few hours. He loved him to the end. He knew Peter was gonna abandon him the cross, but he loved him to the end. Philip, Philip 
was going to misunderstand Jesus. Thomas, doubting Thomas, <laughs> was going to doubt that Jesus was the Messiah and was the resurrected Messiah. If you remember, when Jesus appears after the resurrection, doubting Thomas. And yet John was able to say, Jesus loved these guys to the end. Wow. That's radical love, isn't it? Question, what about you? What about me? To what extent will Jesus love us? He will love us to the end. And we can be sure of that. 1 John 4.10 says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He will love us to the end. Romans 5, 8. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus' radical love will love us through our failures, will love us in our wanderings, and will love us in our unfaithfulness. You see, if we are to follow Christ and become a servant, we will need his radical love. We won't be able to do it on our own. We'll need the power of the Holy Spirit living within us to help us. The same spirit that was working through Jesus Christ is working through us today as his followers. And that will give us the ability, that will enable us to have this radical love that Jesus had. And the good news is, if you're a follower, if you're a believer of Christ, the Spirit of God is within you and is able to produce a love in your heart that manifests itself in your actions. So radical love. Here's some questions. How are you loving others? How'd you love your kids and family this week? How'd you love your classmates? How'd you love your neighbors? <laughs> How'd you love those closest to you this week? What is a radical love? How about those who are hard to love? Did you find it a struggle to love them? And the way in which you loved them, did it resemble the love that Jesus had for his disciples? You see, this first characteristic of being a servant is radical love. And we have to have radical love within us toward those that we're going to serve. Or we'll never serve them. We may give them lip service but we'll never serve them as Jesus is calling us to serve them. So that's the first characteristic. The second characteristic of a servant that Jesus gives us an example of today is being a servant is having humility that expresses itself through action. Look at verse four. We're gonna read through verse 11. So he got up from the mill, Jesus did. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. 
After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. So in verse four, we see the beginning of this humility, this characteristic of humility that Jesus is going to demonstrate to his disciples and to us today. Begins by him laying aside his outer garment. He bows low to wash the disciples' feet. And by doing that, he's teaching these guys several important lessons about humility. The first lesson is that humility is an action. It's not simply an attitude that we have. We don't think, oh, I'm humble, I'm humble. And we don't go around telling everybody, I'm humble, I'm humble, and never do anything with it. That would be prideful. <laughs> but the reality is true hum humility is seen in action. And Jesus rose from the table. Pitcher was over there. The basin was over there. The towel was over there. None of the other disciples moved. But Jesus got up. He took the initiative. In humility, he went over. He wrapped that towel around him. He began to wash the disciples' feet. He didn't have to announce what he was about to do. He didn't have to send out a text or put a picture on YouTube of what he was about to do. No. He just got up and done it. And it was mind-blowing for those disciples because in that time, even the Jewish Slaves didn't wash the Jews' feet. And here's Jesus taking the initiative in humility. He's going to wash their feet. The second lesson is that humility doesn't discriminate. Jesus humbles himself to the lowest position and he washed the feet of every man in that room, all 24 feet, including Judas's. You see, Jesus washed the feet that needed washing without any favoritism and without any prejudice. He washed them all. Humility doesn't discriminate. Humility doesn't recognize a skin color. Doesn't recognize a difference. Humility acts. And it acts toward the need of those that it's serving. The third lesson we see is that humility is not self-serving. Jesus gives them this unforgettable lesson in humility by serving them and not promoting himself. How often are we confused in our serving when it becomes about us and not about those we are serving? This was totally crushing to 
the dreams of, of these disciples and their rewards with positions and powers that they were hoping to get in Jesus' kingdom. You see, earlier in the day, the guys were arguing about who would be the greatest in this new kingdom that Jesus was going to set up on earth. And they were looking forward to all of these perks that they were going to receive. And, and, and these dreams that they had about the positions that they would have by following the Messiah. But Jesus humbly interrupts their dreams of being the greatest. And he demonstrates that they should be the least by serving them. By the way, this was Jesus' message and model in life. This was nothing that they had not seen before in the previous three and a half years that Jesus continued to serve, continue to make little of himself and much of his father and much of others. Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28 says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. This is Jesus speaking. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's saying to his disciples, instead of worrying about who would serve them, they should be willing to serve others just like he has. Fourth lesson we see is that humility trumps pride. Jesus lets them in on a kingdom reality here. He invites them to follow him as he talks about the contrast between humility and pride. He says humility, not pride, will be what pleases the Father. Humility, not pride, will be what displays the love of God more than positional power and your personal rights. Humility, not pride, will cause us to recognize our need for God and for others in the body of Christ. It was so powerful. This example, it kept living beyond Jesus. It did exactly what Bill Bright's example did to thousands of Campus Crusade staff that summer in 2003. It kept living and living. And 18 years later, we're living off of that example and off of that picture. And here, not only are disciples thinking through this, but later on, Paul is radically changed. And in fact, he writes about this humility. Turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter two. Paul's gonna describe Jesus' humility. No doubt he was probably recounting what the disciples had witnessed at this time. Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse five, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. You see, Jesus' example affected the next generation and the next generation. And here we are 2,000 years later looking at this example of his humility and his radical love. Cornerstone family, if ever our community of Simi Valley needed to see humility from the church and the powerful love of God being expressed, it is now. We have been through a heck of a year. People are hurting. People are lonely. People are desperate for answers. And they need to see the church with a radical love for one another, a radical love for them, and a willingness to humble ourselves and to serve them as we serve one another. Toward the end of this chapter, verses 34 and 35, John records this of Jesus' words. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that would be for Steamy Valley and the surrounding valleys. That they would say, truly, those who come together and call themselves followers of Christ that, that are part of the body of Christ at Cornerstone Church. Love radically. <laughs> and they serve humbly. Let's look at the challenge Jesus gives them about being a servant. Beginning to read in verse 12, when he finished washing their feet back in John, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So in verse 12, Jesus asks this question. Do you understand what I have done for you? Cornerstone. Do we fully understand what Jesus has done for us? Do we fully believe that he is loving us to the end? Do we fully believe that we can serve as Jesus served? Because he goes on to challenge us and to challenge his disciples in verses 13 through 15. And he, in verse 15, he says, 
Do as I have done for you. Jesus has just demonstrated them how love and humility operate. They operate by always seeking the good of others and acknowledging that no service is too low to consider. Don't get distracted by the method for serving. Press into the meaning of serving. Here's what I mean by that. Don't be distracted with thinking through how are all the ways that I can serve or maybe I, I, I've never washed anybody's feet before. Jesus is not saying just only model after this. What he is saying is disciples. It's the meaning behind the serving. And so for us, don't get distracted with the method, but press into the meaning of serving. Because we're going to be given multiple ways to serve others throughout our lives. So be ready to act upon those opportunities that the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to do. And there's going to be many ways in which he's going to give us to serve others. So be ready. He finishes with this in verse 17. He says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. When we walk in love and humility, obeying what Jesus tells us, doing what he has shown us, we will be blessed. In other words, we will enjoy happiness. Look at the sequence as we serve one another in love and humility. First, we observe the example that Jesus has given us. Secondly, we listen to the challenge that Jesus has given us. And we pray for a humble heart. And we pray for our eyes to be open spiritually so that we can see the needs of others. And then we obey. And by obeying, we do. And so Cornerstone, Jesus gives us an example. In our series of Walk as Jesus Walked, there it is. He has given us the ability and power through the Spirit of God to be able to serve and to love as he has. And he's calling us, he's calling me to take some action steps to serve. So let me share these with you. We need to pray about who we need to serve. God has given us people around us in our lives, in our house that we need to serve. We need to pray and ask God to make that really clear to us so that we can serve. Then secondly, we need to confront the challenges that are hindering us from serving. I have to do this all and convicted all the time. Missed so many opportunities to serve others for various reasons. And I have to confront those reasons in, in my prayer time, 
And in my honesty with my confession to God, and he cleanses me, and I ask him to help me so that I don't let this hinder me from serving the next time. And then lastly, ask the Lord for wisdom and ideas on how to serve others. So there it is, Cornerstone. Walk as Jesus walked. Serve as Jesus served. Pray with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to see the example that your son Jesus has given us as a servant. I pray that this week we would be encouraged, we would be convicted, we would be excited about people that we can serve and opportunities that could come our way. Help us to be obedient. Help us to respond immediately in the power of your spirit to show radical love and to show humility, a humility that stoops to serve those who are in need. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.